Uh, I invite you to turn to the book of Matthew, and if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up there on the screen, but it's Matthew 13, 44 through 46, and I'm going to read this passage, and then we're going to talk about it for just a few minutes. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a treasure hidden in a field, and when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. He goes on and he tells another story, very similar. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. What is that called? I think it's called reckless abandon. It's just saying, everything that I've got, I found this. And if we only had 10 believers that were... Only for God and his mission, oh, reckless abandon would take over Hendersonville. Reckless abandon. What does that mean? It's marked by unthinking boldness. I love this de definition. I want to live my life for Jesus with reckless abandonment. Unthinking boldness. I'm not there yet. I'm not that bold. With disregard for danger or consequences. Disregard for danger or consequences. I think about our veterans. Do we have any veterans here? Okay, thank you for your service. Let's give them a hand. With reckless abandon, they signed up and they said, I'm in. Showing a refusal to take only calculated risk. You know, looking, I don't know if I should do this or not. You know, So I'll just put a little bit out there. To surrender one's claim to or right to, demonstrating unbounded enthusiasm, exuberance, completely giving up on inhibitions. You know, kind of having that, you know, attitude. Couldn't do that. Click your heels together. Just that, you know, the stuff that we think is only reserved for the United Pentecostal Church. Just that unbounded exuberance and completely giving up on inhibitions we talked about that a few weeks ago about David and how he just danced and he said you ain't seen nothing yet I can get a whole lot more undignified than you've seen me get here today unbounded enthusiasm when I think about that I I think about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and, and what they said you you probably heard this story if you haven't if you're uh, not familiar with the story uh, three guys told to bow down uh, they had a huge furnace, uh, big pit grill there in Babylon. And they said, we're just going to barbecue you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and by the way, you know, the people who don't think the Bible is really true or the characters are really true, they found stuff that uh, has Nebuchadnezzar all over it as they've dug up stuff. But this is what happened. Uh, Shadrach and Meshach, and, and Abednego, don't forget Abednego, they said something that was just incredible. Uh, whenever they said, look, you're going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar or we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace, uh, they said this, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Now stop right there. It's not like I really don't think that God said, Go ahead, don't bow, because uh, I'm going to rescue you, you know. 
I don't think God spoke to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is reckless abandon here. Look at this next slide. It says, but even if he does not, there's a chance our God won't do it. But, O oh, king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set. That is reckless of man. You know, if I do it and God saves me, that's great. If uh, God doesn't come and doesn't rescue me, that's okay. I'm not going to do it. I, I think about those guys that took their friend who uh, was handicapped accessible, you know, he was paraplegic, couldn't get anywhere. And they, they, they came to Jesus' house, and it was jam-packed with people. The church is always getting in the way of ministry. And, uh, and so they said, we've got to find some way of getting this guy who's hurting away from all of this crowd. And so they went and they jumped on a house that they had no right doing, risking probably arrest. And they got up there, and they just started digging on a roof and they made a hole and they dropped the guy down that is reckless abandon unthinking boldness I love what this old dude who I really love R.G. Lee said there is nothing that so pleases him than the most daring reckless romantic faith he is never so joyed as when we trust him with mad abandon I love those words that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Philippi. He said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider it rubbish. Like we studied when we studied Philippians, that word rubbish meaning, meaning dung. I just consider it dung. Everything I've ever accomplished outside of knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior so that I can know him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. I'm like a kid at a candy store. I, I just want more. Please. I want more. we got to get desperate. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know anything about gambling. I really don't because my mom forbade cards to be in the house. Yes, I grew up with the Waltons. And, um, but, uh, and Ron and I were having this conversation, and he uh, told me what an Annie was. And it's uh, basically the minimum bet that you can put out on poker game. Basically, uh, we just consider, okay, this is my Annie. Uh, this is all I think that God really wants. He wants me to say a nice little Jesus prayer, and then everything's going to be right. And so I'm going to give you that, Jesus, a little prayer. That's, that's all I need to do. I'd say that's probably a majority of the Christians these days. Believe that you can just say a prayer, and then, and, and then poof, you're all of a sudden headed to heaven with disregard of what you do with your life. There are going to be a lot of disappointed people when they come face to face with a God who said, unless you sell all that you have, unless you pick up your cross and you follow me, you're not worthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, and some of us say, well, you know, I'll say that prayer and I'll, I'll even tithe um, 5%. Oh, the pastor's mad. 10%. Okay, that ought to get me something. Um, I'll read my Bible daily, you know. That's not the picture 
of what God wants from us, it's a much more difficult path because he's asking us to come to him with reckless abandon. I believe, and you may call me stupid, but I believe that if we as Christians followed him with reckless abandon, we would see the number of AIDS cases depleted 90%. We'd see less fatalities in this world. We would change our culture. We would get medicine to the people who need medicine. We would get help to those who are hungry. If we Christians just said, okay, God, look, you said you gave everything for me, so I'm just pushing everything in. I am just going to give it all. I'm up in the ante here, God. I'm going to give you everything that I've got. That's my desire. Is to give God, give God everything I have. But so often, I hate to break this to you, but a lot of times it looks like I did, and yet still it's God says, what's that stuff in your hand? <laughs> oh, God, it's just four. <laughs> Can I just have these four chips? No, can't have those either. But see, it really doesn't matter to somebody who is in reckless abandonment with God. They'll say whatever. You know, they'll just, okay, you want my shoes? There's my shoes. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes because I am so in love with this God. <laughs> whatever it takes. I don't know. Uh, raise your hand if you've known or know an addict. Okay. They're all around us, you know. And, and please don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to be preaching bad theology, but. I sometimes wonder if perhaps we lived our lives like for Jesus, like we were addicted to crack cocaine. What would happen to our world? An addict wrote this. Says, I would love to say I'm the perfect Christian, but mine is a much messier quest. I am courting him like a cocaine addict. Selling off anything that stands between me and what I seek. Scouring the deep resources and recesses of my comfort zones for any remaining change that may have slipped through the cushions. Every penny counts and everything that is mine is handed over. That I might apprehend him, that I may know him and walk in his pleasure of his presence. In his resurrection life. Even if it means fellowshipping with suffering here anchored in sweat and snot and tears and shakes of the morning episode, my longing overtakes my logic and reason. I curse my brokenness, swear through a vow and hand over all my gods and my goods for another sight of his face. Reckless. Abandon. Would you pray with me? Maybe this is your prayer this morning. It's mine. Dear Lord, I, I used to pursue you for all the wonderful things that I found in your hands. I love to ask you for all the things you have promised me, but now I want more.
I'm not hungry for more things, more thrills, or more favor with people. I just want you. I promise to lay aside all my watches, schedules, programs, and habits if you will just come again. Forgive me, I ask, for the times that I have blindly sacrificed a lingering moment with you on the altar of my hurried schedule, of my order of service, or even worse, on the altar of my temporary human need for things and activities. Now I offer myself on the altar of my will as a living sacrifice. Church, the fuel of desperation leads us to the end of ourselves and into the presence of God. And the question I want to ask you is, are you desperate yet? It moves all the petty chips of our lives into his hands. The fuel of desperation is a realization that we can never be good enough, never strong enough to live the life of independence from God. Are you desperate yet in your life? I fuel of desperation. It, it, it helps us realize that we are powerless against our own sin and that our only hope is in God and God alone. Are you desperate yet? The fuel of desperation compels us to open up our closets, our treasures, our secret wounds, our addictions. Because pride is no longer an option for us. We are far past pride. The fuel of desperation is coming to the cold realization that God is real. And that he is holy. And that he is the only hope for you. The fuel of desperation is smelling the pig slop on your ankles. And realizing there is a father who is just longing to see you on the western horizon of your soul are you desperate to see him the fuel of desperation involves a face down submission spread eagle submission to God's presence are you desperate yet oh God I pray that you will make us a desperate people for you would you stand with me Father, we just come and we just want to worship you now and just cry out to you. There's so many chains and wounds and burdens that we face, uh, hopes, and sometimes those chips that we hold are chips of the future, and we just need to turn them over to you and say, We're, we can't do it without you. And those chips of the past that keep holding us down, and we have to throw them on the table, up, up the ante again. Oh God, we are a desperate people. We need you like air. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your
This is my daily bread. 